Today's daf is daf Mem Zayin. We're beginning about 12 lines from the bottom of Mem Vavamad Beis with a quote from the Mishnah. This piece of the Mishnah is discussing the second part of the Mishnah that if a cow that was pregnant gored an ox and caused damage to the ox, so the Mishnah ruled that since we we know for sure the cow, there was witnesses the cow gored the ox. So from the cow, you collect chatzinezek. It says you collect half the damages. From the fetus that's inside the cow, it wasn't clear because by the time we got to the damage site, the uh, cow had already given birth. In this case, it doesn't be that fetus doesn't have to be dead because it's the damaging party. It's not the damaged party. So damaging, the cow had already given birth. The question was, did the cow give birth before the damage to the ox or after the damage to the ox? The difference being, said the Mishnah, that if it had been before, then the claim can only be made from the goof of the cow itself because we're dealing with tam. Chatzinezek is taken from the goof, from the body of the animal that did the damage. So if the animal had given birth prior to the damage, then you cannot collect from the fetus. But if it, coll- if it damaged, if it gave birth only uh, after it damaged, then you have a right to collect from the fetus as well. As, as well. But in this case, the, we're not sure. So it says you collect chatzinezek, half damages you can, you can get from the cow. And you get a, a quarter damages, which is because it's a suffix, so you're half of what you would have collected. Instead of getting half, you get only quarter damages from the fetus. Going with Sumchus's position, that that when you have a doubt uh, in certain cases where as to how to, to, to rule, you go, you split, you split the, the, the damages. So the Gemara says it doesn't make any sense. Because if you just read the Mishnah the way it's written, it implies that the cow damaged the ox. So the owner of the ox collects half his damages. He collects from the cow. That's 50%. And 25% of the damages he collects from the offspring, from the fetus. Which means he gets a total of 75%. But for the damage of a tom, you only get the right, you cap it at 50%. So why is this fellow walking away with 75%? So when it says chazi nezek v'revia nezek, if you add the half damages to the quarter damages, it comes out seventy-five percent. But palgan nezek who shlumi, he should only be collecting chazi nezek, half nezek for a tam. Kula nezek nechi revia mayavidate. That's the way the Gemara says seventy-five percent. All of it minus a quarter. So all of it minus a quarter mayavidate. What 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 business does he have by it? What is what what what's he doing with with the right to collect? 75%. You should have no right to that. So Amr Abaya, Abaya says no. The Pshat over here is as follows. What Chatzin Nezek means, it actually means half of what the person should have normally had the right to collect. So let's explain it outside first and then we'll see it inside. The way Abaya is going to understand this is that we're not talking about one owner. We're talking about, over here, a partnership. One person owns, person A owns the cow, and person B owns the offspring that's within the cow, that, has, that later on is given birth to. 
So we're actually talking about two parties that are damaging. So now, if for sure we would have known that the cow was still pregnant when it damaged, each person would be liable for a portion of the damage. Now let's just read the Gemara. We'll, we'll say the, explain the Tosus later. But let's read the Gemara the simplest way. So let's say there would have been two parties involved, two owners. Then you would have had to get 50% of what half damages would have been from A and 50% for the half damages would have been from B which means that even though the total amount normally collected would be Chatzin Nezek but because you have two owners here you would have taken a quarter of the damages from A and a quarter of the damages from B which gives you the total of Chatzin Nezek now that is if you knew for sure that the pregnant cow did the damage means both parties are for sure involved in our case, we don't know for sure. So, Mamela, the only thing you know for sure is that half the damage, half of the damages that you have a right to collect from the owner of the cow. So, he says like this. He says, for me, you can only collect my portion of the damages, which is a quarter. So, from the owner of the cow, you would take... 50% of the half damages. So when it says Chatzinezek, it means half of the half damages. It means half of what the total, uh, of what, what normally would have been paid out. So normally would have been paid out Chatzinezek. So half of that, which is a quarter. So really for means like this, from the owner of the cow, you're getting one quarter. And from the owner of the fetus, when it says you're getting a quarter, it means a quarter of what would have been the half damages? So, what you would normally have got. Normally, you would have only got a quarter from him, quarter from each party. So, you're getting a quarter of the quarter, a, a, a quarter of the half damages. So, you're really getting one eighth. Instead of, I mean, you're halving, you're halving what he would have normally given. He would have normally given one quarter. So, here, you're only going to give him, you're only going to give a half of that, which is a quarter of, it means that, that from the quarter that he would have got, you have it. So now it's really one-eighth. So really, if you put the two together, the total damages that the Nizza collects, he's getting one-quarter plus one-eighth, which is actually three-eighths. That's what he collects. So we're not getting 75%. You're actually getting less than 50% over here because you can only collect half from one owner, and which half of what you would have normally got, which is a uh, instead of getting half damages from total, you from the one owner you're getting a quarter damages, and from the other owner you're getting an eighth of the damages because that's a, a suffix on the quarter, and so it's divided the quarter is divided into a, in, in two, so you're getting one eighth. So that's the amount which a total of three eighths is what you're collecting. That's the way Abaya understands it. So basically, what Abaya is telling us that it is uh, when, it, when it says a half it's one half of what you normally would have collected which is a half of the half which is a quarter and it says one quarter is a, it means one quarter of the total of what you have collected which is one quarter of the half which is an eighth okay so says the Gemara like this and the Gemara explains how the case works out now you're right e if the cow and the fetus were owned by the same party, 
So then you're right. Then this number, the math in the Mishnah wouldn't have worked out. Because the Nizak, the damaged party, could say to the owner of the cow, listen, I, who cares whether the cow was there or wasn't there? You owe me a half a, a, a Nezek, and I'm going to take it from the cow. From the fetus, I don't need to collect anything from the fetus. I just get my Nezek from the cow, and I'm good. You pay me the full Chatzinezek if it's one owner. Rather, the case of the Mishnah, which is necessary to write, is talking about the part of the Chad of Vlad the Chad. We're having two owners here. One was the owner of the cow. So a person, how does that happen? So Rashi says that a person sold a cow and retained the rights of the fetus. So therefore, you have person B sold to person A the cow. So that person A now owns the cow. Person B retained for himself the owner of the, he retains himself the fetus. So you have two owners here in terms of two parties to the damaging uh, uh, the damaging cow. And the, the, the order of claiming says the Gemara, interestingly enough, makes a difference in terms of understanding the Mishnah. Because e dekadim tavei lebal paratchilo if the Nizak would have first gone gone to the person who owns the cow and would have said, I want from you he would be able to say to the owner of the cow, he says, listen, I know for sure you were a party to the damage. We have witnesses that saw the cow damage. At this point, you owe me half the damages. Aziktan, your cow damaged me. Now, what are you trying to You're trying to deflect and say, no, you've got to go to the owner of the fetus? Well, I don't have to go to the owner of the fetus. What's for sure is your cow damaged me. You owe me chatzinezek. If you feel that the there is another party that should offset some of those damages, so then, havli raya de islach shutfi. So you bring a proof. You bring a proof that the cow was pregnant at the time, and then I'll be forced to go and try to collect half of those damages from him. But, 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 since I, right now, I know for sure you damaged me and you want to claim that you should pay less because somebody else was involved too, you prove that I was involved. Why should that be my responsibility? I'm coming to you, you are Michatsi Nezik, you want to only pay half of that? Then you prove that he was involved. You can't prove it, you're going to pay me the, the full Chatsi Nezik. So therefore, that wouldn't work in our case too. So therefore, so therefore, in our case, your cow damaged me. You bring a proof that you have a partner, then I will be forced to go after him. But the case in our Mishnah is talking about where the Nizak, the owner of the ox, the damaged party, first went to the to 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 party B. He went to the person who owned the fetus and said, "Listen." We know that the cow was pregnant and we know that you own the fetus therefore you have to pay me at least half of the damages. On that, the owner of the fetus will tell him he says, listen, I prove I, I, we don't know for sure. We don't know if my cow, if, if my fetus was inside the cow or had already been born before. And therefore, it'll be you can only, instead of getting the quarter damages from me you can only get half of that. You only get an eighth. That would be the case in the Mishnah. But in this case, the owner of the cow can say the fact that you went to the owner of the fetus first means party A. The fact you went to party B means you are acknowledging that there was another partner here in the, in, 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 in the damage. Because otherwise, why, why would you have gone to him? 
So since you went first to the owner of the fetus, you can't come back to me and say, yes, listen, you have to pay me the full amount, the full chatzinezek. Because you're acknowledging the first scenario where you first come to the owner of the cow. So you, then he wants to deflect, and the owner of the cow says, well, why don't you go to my partner? Well, you prove that it was your partner at the time. You prove that the cow was pregnant, then I'll have to deal with him. But if you can't prove that, I'm just dealing with you. But here, the fact that the owner of the ox, the nizak, went first to the owner of the fetus, that by definition means you're agreeing. The owner of the cow system, you agree that he was my partner. I now, you're having a try, trouble proving it, but you've already agreed to the fact that I'm not completely liable. So whatever you can get from him, you can get. And you only have a right to get from me for the balance of the 50%, which is I'm going to pay a quarter instead of paying the full half. So therefore, the Kadam Tava Lebal Vlad Trila, where you came, first went to the owner of the offspring first, to Amrlay, then the owner of the cow can say, Galisa Daituk, you've already revealed your, your, your position, that Shutva Isli, that you agree that I have a partner, and therefore in this case, you're gonna get whatever you can from him, which according to Sumcha is only one eighth, and then you come back to me, and I'll give you one quarter, which is 50% of what I would normally have paid without, with, if I, if I would not have had a part, partner, I would have had to pay the full half, now I'm going to pay a quarter. That's one version, according to a buyer, of how you understand the numbers in the Mishnah. Because it would have to be you first went to the Baal of Lot and then you went to the Baal Pura. Igra Amri, there's another opinion that says, Aval Gav, to Kodim Tavila Baal Pura, Tchila. That really makes no difference in the Mishnah. You're going to get still one quarter from the Baal Pura and one eighth from the Baal of Lot. Even if you first went to the Baal Pura. Because because the cow, the owner of the of the para, the owner of the cow can still uh, push him off. The amale made the yodoi the shutva isli. I know for sure. I am certain that the cow had not given birth yet. It means if he's tining for sure that I know that the cow had not given birth yet, and then therefore I have a tainas bari that basically saying that. I had a partner, and you want to come after me, fine. But I'm only responsible for the 50% of the Chatsi Nezek, and you're going to have to go after him for the other Chatsi Nezek. Now, the fact that I know for sure just makes it for sure that, in my opinion, I only have to pay you a quarter. But that doesn't make it for sure that he has to pay you the other quarter, because you would have to prove it to, to, to the Baal of Vlad that he owes the 50%. And if you can't, or the other, the, the, the balance, which is the remaining quarter, if you can't prove it, so then it becomes Mamanukla Safak, he's only have to pay an eight. So according to this verse, that makes no difference who you go to first, you still can only get a quarter from the Baal of Pura and a eighth from the Baal of Vlad, which is a total of three eighths. And that is the way Abaya uh, explains it. Um, I'm a rubber. Rubber disagrees with Abaya's interpretation because it says you're reading too much into the Mishnah. The Mishnah said Chatzinezek and Revianezek. That's what the Mishnah said, right? It never said anything about a quarter and an eighth. You're already having to dray in order to make that happen. So, atu echad ma'arba benezek, ve'echad mishmona benezek, katani. So, Rabbi says, what, does it say one, one eighth and one quarter in the Mishnah? There's no mention about that. It says, it says, chatzin, nezek, ravin, nezek, katani. It says a half and a quarter. And therefore, that is not the pshat in the Mishnah. That's not the scenario where you're going to be collecting from the Baal Para who did the damages. You're going to be taking an, a half from the cow and a quarter from the Vlad. That can't be the pshat. If that's the pshat, we have to go back to four. The Masma is 75%. 75% you don't have a right to collect. 
We're going back to the normal case, which is one owner. One owner that had a pregnant cow, and the pregnant cow was seen damaging the the ox. We just don't know did it give birth before damage or did it give birth after. And this is what we're saying over here. Mishnah is telling us like this. If the cow exists... We have the cow and it's taken to based in. Whether it gave birth to a live animal, didn't take birth to a live animal, really doesn't matter. If the cow's here, you're going to get chatzin nezek, one owner, like we said, you get chatzin nezek from the cow. The quarter nezek from the vlad is talking about, let's say the cow doesn't exist anymore. The cow ran away, the cow doesn't, is not here. Now you can only take migufos. If the cow's not here, you can't collect from the cow anymore. So that, allow, that leaves you only one option, to take from the offspring. But from the offspring, it's suffix, because we don't know if it participated in the damage or not. So from the offspring, it's you can only can take half of what you would have been allowed to take from the cow. You can take from the offspring, which is a quarter. So that fits beautifully in the words. From the cow, you can take a half. If the cow is not around, then from the offspring, you can only get a quarter. And that's the way Rova understands it. The cow is here. You take half from the cow. But, if the cow is not around, so then you can only take a quarter, you take half of the 50%, you take from the Vlad. Now, the... Uh, Tosus points out something very important over here. Tosus points out that Lechora, in the case where we are collect, where we assume there were two owners, right? So we read the Mishnah straight, meaning that it's two owners, one owned the, the fetus, one owned the cow, and it's 50-50, then you would have got quarter from one and quarter from the other. Means if actually they, uh, both would have, if we would have known that the cow for sure was pregnant when it damaged, you would have get, you would have got, and it's two owners, you would have 50 and 50. So those, it doesn't make so much sense. Why should it not be based on the value that the person, each person has? Meaning usually the cow, the value of the invested in the cow, what you have, the, the, uh, equity in the cow, if you own the cow, you own more than if you own the fetus. So therefore, Tosus suggests that the Mishnah is just writing it in a way that the numbers are easy to, to understand. But really, it comes out, it'll come out differently. Really, what will come out, if there's two different owners, and uh, let's assume that a cow, you have 80% of the equity, and if you have the Vlad, you have 20%, so it's really an 80-20% split. You're going to have to work with those numbers when you, when you pay. When you pay, it'll be from the one person you're going to get capped up to 80% of what the damage is, is from the cow and from the and and the now na- and the damage you're going to be capped up to 20% but also the amount of damage that is in that we consider incurred that let's say let's say uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, $100 worth of damage 80 dollars of it will be accrued to the Baal hapara and $20 will be accrued to the Baal havlad Yes, just because that's the uh, if that's what what you have invested in the cow, the cow that did the damage to the extent of what you have financial ownership, that's the uh, uh, that is what is accrued to you in terms of damage, and therefore you really would only get from the hundred fifty dollars is going to get paid because it's chatzinezek, but forty of it would be collected from the balapora, which is the eighty percent 
the, uh, and based on the Chatsi Nezik, which is 40 from the, from the uh, 80, and from the Baal, the Vlad, of the $20 damage, he gets Chatsi, which is going to be 10. It'll be a 40-10 split. So you're going to be working with those numbers. It's not really, so really, the Mishnah just gave an example which, which, which works uniformly. One has to pay quarter Nezik, one has to pay quarter, and if it's a Suffolk, he pays an eighth. It won't work with those numbers if you're doing it with two owners. It'll really depend on what they have invested. So therefore, let's assume that both did get involved. So one would pay $40, one play 10 That's what you pay. That would be the Chatsi Nezek. If it's a Suffolk, then a Suffolk Chatsi of the Chatsi would be $5 what he'd end up paying. Because it's a quarter of what he would have, it's, it's the quarter, which is a half of what he would have paid, half of what he paid would have been 10, since the suffix is going to end up paying 5. So the numbers will come out really based on what you have invested in the cow. That's what Tosis explains, that when the two people own, yes, based on what their ownership is, is how you're going to divide it. Now, continues the Gemara. Taima dole yadinan i havevlad ki nakra iloi So, What's clear from the Mishnah is that the suffix is only because we don't know whether the animal was pregnant or not. So, but everybody agrees that if you do know that the cow was pregnant at the time of when it did the damage, then in such a case, you'd be able to take the full Chatsi Nezek from the Vlad. It means even if the cow is not here, going again with one owner, if the Vlad was not here, if the, if the cow was not here, so you can collect from the Vlad because the Vlad for sure is by the damage, so you've got Chatsi Nezek. You take it from the cow, you take it from the Vlad. Either way, you have a right to Chatsi Nezek because it's with one one owner. It says the Gemara Rav Latamei. Rav follows his own reasoning because the Amar Rav Rav said Porashizika. When a pregnant cow damages Govami Vlada, that's considered part of the goof of the animal. So you collect from either the cow, you collect from the fetus. All uh, everything is open for collection because it's considered to be part of the damaging entity. My time, and what's the reason? Because Gufahi, because we consider, legally we consider the, the fetus as part of the cow, so it's considered a part of a damaging agent. Tarnagolus Shehizik, on the other hand, that if a chicken damaged, and the chicken has in it uh, eggs that have been completed, the right to collect is only from the chicken. You don't have a right to collect from the eggs. Now you have to talk about a Tom situation over there where it's Magufa, so you have to figure out what's considered to be a Chatzinezek by a chicken damaging. But anyway, when it is a Chatzinezek and you're collecting, you can only collect from the chicken, you can't collect from the eggs. My time, what's the reason? Because Pirsha Ba'amahave, because a, a, the eggs of a chicken is not considered to be part of the chicken. It's something that's separate from the chicken. Since it's something that is considered separate from the chicken, it's a separate entity, it's not considered part of it, it's not considered to be the damaging agent. Since it's not considered the damaging agent, when it's you can only take me gufo, it's not considered me gufo, it's considered separate, you can't collect from the eggs. Let's go weiter. The Amarova, actually, the, uh, the Arishonim here that speak out, that, that shouldn't be the Amar, because it's completely separate from the, it's not connected to what we just said, so the Vav is not, it's not linking it to the last sugya, it's, it's a new sugya. So Amarova, ain shaman When you calculate the damages that is caused, by going back to the first part of the Mishnah, when an ox damages, and we're switching back now from, to the first part, when the ox damages a pregnant cow, 
when you know for sure, let's say an ox damaged a pregnant cow, how do you assess the value of the damage? So we actually have two ways to do this. One way you could say is, listen, a pregnant cow is worth such and such, right? If now, because it was gored and was forced to abort, it is now worth, so let's say it was worth, worth $1,000. Now, because it was, uh, it, the, it was forced to abort and the, the miscarried and, uh, and, and it went down in, in value, now it's only worth $700. So the damages are $300. That's one way to, and you'll have to pay chatzinez, you have to pay $150. So that's one way of calculating. But there's another way of calculating. You could say it's like this. Let's say a cow on its own would be worth uh, $800. And this fetus, if it was born, this fetus would be worth, on its own, would be uh, worth $400. So therefore, the fact is that right now, the total value of the damage is 700 but the value of what would have been had there been no damage over here would have been a combination of 800 and 400 is a combination of 1200 so therefore we're dealing with instead of a $300 damage now we're dealing with a $500 damage so therefore what's the correct way to assess so says Rava the correct way to assess is the value of the entity of the cow with the fetus as opposed to separating them out which will create a higher, a greater amount of damages needing to be paid by the mazik. So that's what Rob is saying. Is Ein Shamin, we don't calculate the part of Atma, the lab of Atma. We don't separate the two entities, <coughs> the cow and the offspring, and again get value to each one on their own. Ela Shamin, Levlad al Gadpara, we view it as one entity and we, we evaluate the damages based on a pregnant cow and in our case, would have been based on being a thousand dollars and not separating it out as being worth and to be worth twelve hundred dollars in terms of the value. Shaima because if you don't say it, you don't say that we look at it together instead of separating it out. Nimtata makish is a mazik. You're going to weaken the mazik. You're going to cause the mazik more damage to the damages to pay. He's going to have to pay more. So you're weakening weakening his position. Now the one is going to ask in, uh, in, in, in towards the end of the Ahmed, who cares? Why do we worry about protecting the mazik? If that is the right way to do it, to separate it out, because that's what he, damage he caused. Why do we say, no, we don't do it that way because we're going to damage the mosque? Then more will ask that question. And Rava brings precedent for this notion, because we have actually a Mishnah later on on, 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 on uh, Pei Gimel. The Mishnah says like this, Someone had chopped off the hand of, of his friend's slave. So he chopped off the hand of his friend's slave. So what damage does he have to pay for? So, as the Mephoshim explained here, there's two ways to uh, calculate that as well. If you would go over to a person and you would say to him, listen, what would I have to pay you to allow me to chop off your Evid's hand? So if you focus on the chopping off the Evid's hand, how much would that allow to do that, how much would cost you, that's going to be a much greater number in terms of how much that would be to allow that to happen than if you say, well, what is an Evid worth with a hand in, in the market and how much is an Evid worth without the hand? 
So we look at the Eved, the total Eved with a hand, we total Eved without the hand, and we evaluate that, as opposed to focusing on the hand and saying, is how much would it cost to chop off the hand of an Eved? What would you need? How much money would you have to pay an owner to do that? So again, we don't do it in by focusing on the hand on its own, because that's going to cost you a lot more money in terms of damages. Do we rather focus on the full Eved and what he's considered Eved with a hand, and what would Eved without the hand, what would he be worth? We find the same thing conceptually by an animal that went in and damaged the property of your friend. So let's say he went in and this person had a large vegetable patch. And this animal went in and ate a row of tomatoes. So if we focus on what the value of tomatoes are, so that's going to be almost like it's a retail price. It's going to cost a lot more money than if we say, "Is what is this field worth with that row of tomatoes in it? And what's the overall effect of the field without that row of tomatoes? It's a much lesser damage that you're paying for. So again, it's the same thing that we view it in terms of the greater field as opposed to focusing on the specific tomatoes themselves. So in all three cases, we see this idea is that you view the total package, in the case of the pregnant cow, instead of separating it out, we view the Eved with the hand and the Eved without the hand, instead of focusing specifically on the hand. In the case of the field, we view the whole field and the loss that is caused to the field as opposed to focusing on the tomatoes themselves. So, Amalei Rav Acha Bereid Rav Rav Ashi. So Rav Acha Rav Ava asks Rav Ashi the following question. I don't want to understand what he's saying is basically is the following. He's going to ask him like this. He says, I understand that in the case of the Eved, is the bottom line is you have, you damaged the whole Eved by cutting off his hand. Or in the case of the field, you damaged the whole field by eating the tomato. So there I understand why it makes sense to view the loss not individually in terms of the specific thing that was damaged, but in terms of the entire entity, because the entire entity is the, what you damaged, and therefore, even though it mitigates the damages by focusing on the entire entity, I understand you doing that over here. But the Chora is that you could argue is that a, a, a fetus is its own entity, and since a fetus is its own entity, why should we view this in terms of the damage caused to the cow? Why don't we focus on the damage that you cause to the offspring, preventing this from becoming a viable entity? Why don't we focus on that separately? Why do you say because of the we're worried about damaging the of, of hurting the mazik? Who cares about the mazik? The dinahu. If the law is that each party should be looked at individually. And we should be looking at uh, the, uh, the uh, each part on its own, right? So then, why not look at it that way? Right? Why not uh, uh, view it in terms of that, in terms of that, uh, in, in terms of that way of looking at it? So the Gemara says, "Is mishum da'amalei paramabarta aziktoch paramabarta shaminaloch." Gemara says, "Because here too." Because since the, cow, the fetus wasn't its own entity yet, it hadn't been born, it was still inside the cow. So the mazik has the right to say, listen, the bottom line is, I damaged a pregnant cow. I damaged one entity. 
focused on one entity. I didn't damage two separate entities. It wasn't born yet. And therefore, this is the same thing as saying the tomatoes with the entire field, the hand with the evid. Because since the, it hadn't been born yet, therefore, you don't have a right to make me have to pay based on it being two separate entities since the damage occurred when it was only one entity. And that is why it's fair for, and why Rava compares it to the other cases. So what is it like this? Pshita paradechad vevladechad. It's obvious to us that if you had um, two different owners, in such a case, that where there are two owners here, one owns the cow, like the bias case, and one owns the the uh, the fetus. Now, when an, when a, a cow becomes pregnant, or a person, a woman also becomes pregnant, they put on a lot of weight even more weight than the actual weight of the fetus because they are the body naturally instinctively tries to store up on more fat to for the for the well-being of the fetus so therefore there is a greater amount of weight so now because there's a greater amount of weight so uh, so uh, the Gemara says it's poshit that when we evaluate when we assess the damage that was caused to both the cow and the fetus, the additional weight that the cow now carries, even though it was directly attributed to becoming pregnant, but that is owned by the owner of the cow. means that value that's going to get paid for that damage that is caused to the cow, when we assess the value of the cow, that is belongs to the owner of the cow. Even though it's in, it's, it, you could say it's directly because of the fetus, but nevertheless, the owner of the cow gets the value. He is when you when you value this cow, the fact that now it has all this more weight because it's pregnant, it's considered his value that has to be paid back. It's not considered as it's not attributed to the f- owner of the fetus. He doesn't have a right a claim on the money that's going to be paid for the excess weight that the animal had because it became pregnant. But Navchamai, the one wants to know is one of the ways they also that gives value to an animal is its volume, the the the, the size, not just the weight. The fact that it looks full-bodied, it's it's stretched out, it's wider, it looks bigger. Now there you could argue that perhaps that is directly attributed to the fetus, and because it's directly attributed to the fetus, maybe that when you assess that value of what this cow is worth that should be also, that, that value should be assessed, that additional value because now of the fetus that made the cow look bigger and wider, so therefore that money that now people are willing to pay more for it because it's pregnant should be the value of the owner of the fetus. That's the Gemara's question. So, Rapapa Amar Labal Parah, he says, no. Bottom line is, he says that that is considered to be a value accrued by the owner of the cow, and the fetus gets what a value of the fetus is. He does not get the additional value because the cow looks wider. That doesn't go to the owner of the fetus. Rav Achab, of Ika Amar, he says, Cholkin. He says, in this case, I would say it's split. Because, yes, it's happening in the cow, but it's happening because of the fetus. So since it's happening because of the fetus and happening in the cow, it should be 50-50. It means however we calculate that additional value, a non-pregnant cow to a pregnant cow, because of its volume, that is considered to be directly uh, 
partially at least to, uh, attributed to the fetus, and we should be able to split that. The Hilchasa, the Aloha is Cholkin. That even though, like, Abba the weight, we said that's for sure belongs to the owner of the cow, not the owner of the, not the fetus, because that's, the, but the, the, the volume is clearly because it looks wider, it's because the fetus is there, that at least is split 50-50 in terms of when payments are made, that needs to go, that value is assessed to the owner of the, uh, it's assessed to both of them, they both have accrue the value of the volume of the cow. Let's go on. Let's go to the next Mishnah. Zog the Heilige Mishnah. Hakadar shehichnis kederosav lechotzer balabais shelo bershus. So you have a person who is who makes pots, brought his pots into uh, the home of a uh, a balabais, and he did not get permission to put it there. And the animal, it's the ox of the balabais, went, stomped on these pots, and broke these pots. Potter. The balabais is not responsible, because there's a right to say, who told you to put your pots here? I don't take responsibility for your pots if you brought them in here. But if the pots, the, the ox tripped over it, and goes damaged because of the pots, so then Bala Kaderos Chayev, he has liability, he's responsible for paying for the damages that are caused through his pots, because again, he put them in without permission, he has liability of the damage, so he does not have a right to collect any damage that happens to his pots, and he's assessed the li- uh, damages, he's liable for any damages that his pots create. Now, that's when it was done, Shalobershus. But im hichnis bershus, if he brought them in with permission, then baal hachotzer chayev. In such a case, the owner of the courtyard is liable. So lechora, because by giving permission to have the pots in his rishus, so basically he seems to say, is that I'm taking responsibility to make sure that they'll be okay. So now, if his ox comes along and tramples them and breaks them, he has to pay for the pots because by giving permission, it is assumed that he's taking responsibility to protect them as well. Similarly, someone brought produce into uh, the Balabais' courtyard without asking permission, and the Balabais' animal came and ate them, causing damage to the owner of the payrolls, Potter. The owner of the homeowner does not have to pay for the liability because you can say, who told you to put your payrolls there? I didn't give you rishos to put them there. Therefore, my ox ate them. Your tough luck. There's a question here whether we have to pay for them. I mean, we had my, the, that the benefit he received. He doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have to feed his animal dinner. There's a question that maybe he'll be high for that part or not. Some say yes, some say no. Now let's say the animal was damaged. We'll see how what kind of damage. But let's say the animal was damaged by the by the produce. So here too, the Balha Peros, since he put him in out with Shus, he's responsible for the damage that his Peros created. But if you put him in with Rishos, so then if the animal came and ate them, so the Balachatzer has to pay for the Peros, because by letting him bring him Rishos, he's taking responsibility that he would protect the Peros. Third case, if someone brought an ox into the Balabais' courtyard, 
without permission, and it was gored by the homeowner had his own ox, and his own ox went and damaged the ox of the trespasser. Or the ox of the homeowner went and bit, causing damage to the trespasser's ox. Potter, again, there's an exemption from payment because you can say, who told you to bring your ox into my property? And let's say the opposite happened over here. The ox that was brought into the field, into the courtyard, damaged the homeowner's ox or... or, or uh, or dog, Chayev, the trespasser, has to pay because since he brought without permission, he's responsible for the damage that his property causes. Now, Nafal borrow shall the Let's say the trespasser's ox fell into there was a water well and it fell into the well and by doing so it spoiled the water. It made the waters putrid. The waters now are no longer potable. They can't be drunk. Chayev is chayev to pay for the water because then his property is damaging his chayev to pay for the property. Is water damaged? Let's say the homeowner's relative, his father, his son, right? We'll have to see why it talks about relatives or not that the more discusses. But let's say somebody was at the bottom working in the bottom of the well and this animal fell into the well killing the father or the son of the homeowner so Meshalem is a kofer the trespasser has to pay kofer, now we'll have to talk about it because if it's a tam, there is no kofer so we have to talk about why is a chiv kofer over here, but again he's responsible for the damage his property causes and he would have to pay kofer if his ox falls on these people and kills them im hechnis bershus but if he brought it in with permission and something happens to his ox then the owner of the courtyard is chayev because by giving permission to bring it in the opinion of the Mishnah Tanakama holds you are taking responsibility to safeguard the item that is brought in in all three of these cases if it was brought in even with permission the homeowner is not responsible by saying you can keep it there it doesn't make you responsible to protect the person bringing it in's property until he explicitly says I am taking responsibility to safeguard your possessions your property but if the homeowner does not say it even if he gives permission to bring it in he is not responsible to protect the item from there yeah you can keep it there but bottom line is something happens to it I am not responsible for something happening to it I don't accept that responsibility so that's according to Rebbe unless you say it explicitly we don't assume you've taken responsibility okay let's go on the Gemara at this point the Gemara understands that we have a machlokus in our mission between Rebbe and the Chacham according to Rebbe even when I give you permission, that doesn't mean I'm taking responsibility. And there's another, and, and there's two things. You ask for permission and I give permission. So according to Revi, the fact that you ask me for permission to bring it in doesn't mean that you are saying, I'll put it there and I'll make sure nothing happens to your property. And the same way as if I give you permission, it doesn't mean that I'm saying because I'm letting you put it in that I'll make sure that nothing happens to your property. Unless either, either party says explicitly 
that either I'm going to bring my stuff in and make sure nothing happens to your property, or you can bring your stuff in and I'll make sure nothing happens to your property. No one accepts responsibility. You just get a right to put it there, but no one's taking responsibility of protecting the item. Whereas according to the Chachamim, they hold up. Chachamim says the fact, if you're asking me, can I bring my stuff into your domain, implicit in that it's saying is that if I bring my stuff in, I'm going to make sure it doesn't damage you. And when you give me permission, you're saying is is that if you bring your stuff in, I'll make sure nothing happens to your property. So that's the machlokas. It's black and white. According to Rebbe, unless you explicitly say, either party explicitly says, I'm taking responsibility for the other person's property, we don't assume that responsibility was taken. And according to Rebbe, giving, according to Chachamim, giving permission or asking for permission is all simplicity saying, I will take responsibility for something that happens to your property. So the Gemara says that, that with that understanding, we have difficulty in understanding our Mishnah. Because the first clause in the Mishnah was, when someone brings something in without Rishus, the Mishnah says that if a, uh, a person makes pots brought into the, uh, into the courtyard, pots without permission, so then... Uh, The uh, and and he, and 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 he caused damage to the ox of the homeowner. The homeowner's ox got damaged by it. So it says that he's chayiv. So time. The reason seems to be because with shalob shus. The implication work is that haber shus. That if he would have brought it in with permission, right. So then, lo Then he would not be responsible once I bring it in with permission. If my property damages you, I'm not responsible. Even though you, I asked you permission, can I put my property there? I and you said yes. I don't take responsibility for my property damaging you. That's the implication, right? The law Amrinan, we don't say that by asking permission, you've accepted on yourself that I'm going to make sure my property, my pots will not damage your, your property, your animals. Right? Now, Lechora, whose opinion is that? That by asking for permission doesn't automatically mean I'm going to take responsibility that my property doesn't damage you. So the implication of that first line of the Mishnah is Mani, who is that? It's Rebihi. That, that first line seems to be going like Rebbe, the Amar Kol Bistama, that any time you've asked permission without specifically accepting responsibility, lo kavalin terusa, neither party accepts responsibility. So that's, that's, the, that's the first part of that. Ema Sefer, now say the second half of that clause, it says, Hechnes Bershus Bal where you did bring in the parts with the permission of the owner of the courtyard. So then it says that if the Pots get broken by the ox of the courtyard, the Balachotzer is Chayev, then he is obligated, the owner of the courtyard has to pay for the pots. Why? Because once he gave permission that you could bring it in, he takes responsibility. So, Asin the Rabbonin, that goes like the Rabbonin. That's the way we understood the Rabbonin was saying, that even once you ask permission, even without saying explicitly you're taking responsibility, you accept responsibility. So, the first case. The first half of the Mishnah, where it talks about where you brought it in without permission, or you brought it in with permission, are, seem to be contradictory opinions. Because when it says without permission, 
it's mashma that that's when my pots are higher for damaging your ox. With permission, my ox is mashma. I would not be high for damage. It means I don't accept the fact you gave me permission to put my pots in there. I don't automatically accept responsibility for the damage they cause because. And only with, with not explicitly saying I'm taking responsibility for your property we don't accept responsibility that's going like Rebbe and the next clause of that case is when it's with permission that if the own homeowner allows you to bring pots with permission he's responsible what happens to your pots even though he never explicitly said he's going to take responsibility that's going like the Chachamim but soon furthermore you have the second half of the Mishnah. Says there explicitly, Rebbe Omer, that I hold the chulen in all those cases, Rebbe's arguing with the Tanakam. Rebbe's saying is that in all those cases, I hold that unless you explicitly accept responsibility, the homeowner accepts responsibility on the property that's being put into his, into his even with Rishus, he would be exempt. So it comes out that the first clause is going like Rebbe, the last clause is going like Rebbe, say Reish Vesefer's Rebbe, but Siyasan, and the middle clause is going like the Rabbonin. So Amr Abzeira, Abzeira says the only way to understand the Mishnah, it's a difficult way to understand the Mishnah, but Tavra, Tavra means that you have, it's, it's broken, that there is a contradiction, it can't be, it's not going, there's no consistency in the Mishnah, it's not going in a, in a flow, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's disjointed. Would you have to say, Misha Shanazul or Shanazu? The one who taught one clause did not teach the other clause, which the way Rash explains it as follows, is there is a machlokus here as to whether or not there is a machlokus Rebbe and the Chachamim. The person who taught, the Tanu taught the first line that says both Rebbe and the Rabbonin hold, only when you bring something in without permission are you responsible for the damage that it does. But if you brought it in with permission, then you don't have responsibility because it's Rebbe and the Chachamim hold. That the fact I asked you permission, can I bring my stuff in there, doesn't mean I'm expecting responsibility for the damage that it'll cause you. And also, the fact you gave responsibility won't mean that you're responsible for the damage that your things cause me. I just have permission to put it there, but it doesn't mean there's responsibility either way. That's the first ruling, how we understood the Rabbonin. Then, the second half of that clause is a different opinion. So the Chacham disagree. The Chachamim say, no, if you gave permission to someone to put stuff in there, or he asked permission to put stuff in there, either party, when there's permission given, has to take responsibility that they don't cause damage to the other part, which is this, as to what the Chachamim would hold. And then Rebbe would disagree with it, which is the third clause. He disagrees. Then he holds that, no, even if permission is being granted or permission has been requested unless there's explicit acceptance of responsibility a person is not responsible for the damage that his item will cause even where permission was given and that's a learn. it's very disjointed the first the first uh, opinion holds is no machlokas Rebbe in the Chachamim the second clause implies that, that the Chachamim would disagree which, uh, with Rebbe which is Rebbe is the third clause now Rava says, I don't like that way of learning. It's very difficult to understand that that's what the Mishnah is saying. So therefore, Rava Amar Kula Rabbonanhi. It's all going like the Chachomim. And the Pshat over here is as follows. Is that, you have to say the Pshat is like this. When a Balabos gives permission, when he says, you have a right, even though you asked me for permission to bring it in, we assume that it goes, that when I ask for Rishus to bring it in, in the Chacham, it means I'm taking responsibility and I won't damage you. And when you give me Rishus to bring it in, you're also taking responsibility that you won't damage me. But he says that, Robert says, that's not correct. Robert says, when a Balabas gives permission, he becomes like a Shomer. He takes all the responsibility. He's taking responsibility that I won't damage you and I will make sure 
also that I'll, I'll safeguard your animal from damaging me. Means the Balabas takes full responsibility of the item. That makes sense because he's there. The other guy's leaving. So how can he be supervising? So therefore, Rabbah says that's how you have to understand the Chachamim. So therefore, Kula Rabbanan, it's all going like Rabbanan. And it's talking about where permission was given, Bashus. And therefore, the diuk that you made, it's Mashma, when, my, when I bring pots in without permission, if I damage you, I'm responsible. With, with permission, I'm not responsible. It's not because it's going like Rebbe. You're right. When you gave me permission to put the pots in, I don't have responsibility to my pots damaging you anymore. By you saying I can put my pots in there, you become a shomer. You're responsible with all the laws of a shomer. If there's any leg negligence, that you, then you are the balabas. You're responsible for the shmira of my pots, whether my pots are going to be damaged by you or my pots cause you damage. I, the owner of the pots, am not liable anymore. You, the, uh, the, the Baal Chatzar, according to Rachamim, implicit in your accepting that I put my pots there, are taking full levels of Shmira, unless you say otherwise. So Mordechai says like this. So he says that Shmira is Kaderos Kibbalele Baal Chatzar. The complete safeguarding of the, of the pots has been accepted upon by the Baal Chatzar. Even if they got broken in, a, in, a, in a, nothing to do with uh, uh, either the ox or a wind came and blew. You put them, you didn't put them where they should have been, and a normal wind came and blew them down and broke them. The owner of the field, the Baal Chatzar, the, the Baal Bas, is responsible for them because he's accepted them like a shomer, and therefore it's under his supervision, and he will take responsibility. And therefore it's all going like the, the first two clauses are going like the Chachamim, no contradictions. And Rebbe disagrees with that because Rebbe holds giving reshus doesn't imply taking any level of, of supervision unless it's explicitly stated. So we said if you brought your payros into the courtyard of the of the balabayas, so then if the animal was damaged through the produce, so then the owner of its brishus, the owner of the bal, of the of the house has to pay for the damages caused. For uh, caused uh, the uh, the uh, he has to pay for the damages. I'm sorry, the owner of the produce. It was done. I'm sorry, it was done. It was done without permission. You bring. I brought my payros in without permission, and your animal uh, got damaged because of my payros. Then I, because I brought him without permission, I'm responsible to pay for your ox. So Amarav Lo Shana El It's only if the animal, let's say, slipped on them. It is like a bar. You put a bar. You put so you, you put uh, slippery payros in my field. My animal in, uh, in my court. My animal slipped on them. You pay me like a bar. You created a, a pit in my field. You have to pay. But what happens? Aval Achlo. What happens if the animal overate? The animal came and overate and got damaged through the eating. He says, says, says Rob, says Potter, you can't hold me responsible because your animal overate. My time, what's the reason? Because it shouldn't have eaten. Therefore, it shouldn't have eaten. The fact that it ate too much, that's not my fault. That's your animal's fault. That's your fault. That's not my fault. So if my animal, if your animal tripped on my payrus, I'll pay you. That's bore. But your animal overate, it shouldn't have eaten. Therefore, it's not my fault. I don't have to pay for that. That's what Rob wants to say. So Amr Rav Shesha, Rav Shesha says, Amina Kinaim Veshachi Rav Amr Lashmaito. He says, I think Rav must have been sleeping when he taught that halacha because that doesn't make any sense. Why? He says, because uh, the sign we learned in a bris, Hanosin Sama Mavis Lifnei Behemes Chavero. Somebody put down poison. He put down uh, poison in front of somebody else's animal. 
It's Potter Medina Adam. Now, in laws of man, in court, because the animal went and ate it and died, you can't hold me liable in, a, in, in court because it's indirect. It's groma. It's not a direct damage. You can't hold me. In Shamayim, they're going to hold you accountable. What right do you have to go ahead and put poison in front of an animal? So what? You say, because it shouldn't have eaten? No. You're Chayev for putting poison there in Shamayim. But in, in, in the court of law, you can, the person can argue poison is not something an animal usually eats, and therefore, this, uh, at this point, we're saying that it wasn't real food, that was poison. You put poison down, poison smells like poison, looks like poison, I didn't expect the animal to eat, so you can't hold me liable in a court of law. But in Shamayim, they will. Now, what's the kasha, says Rav Sheishis? Sama mavdesu lo avida de achlo. The exemption of, of why you can't hold him responsible in court because you put poison, which is something an animal does not expect it to eat. But, aval peros, but if you were to put peros in front of the animal, da avida de achlo, which normally would it would eat and if the animal then would eat it and eat too much and, uh, and, and, and get damaged or die because of overeating you would have been chayim the bride was very specific you only potter where it's something that an animal doesn't normally eat but if something the animal normally does eat you don't have a right to say the animal shouldn't have eaten I wanted, according to Rav you should have said it, should, it shouldn't have eaten you see Rav's aloha is clearly wrong based on this bride it's only if something an animal normally won't eat and it eats can you say it shouldn't have eaten but if it's something a normally animal is is, 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 is eat you can't say it shouldn't have eaten so Amri so Bnei Yeshiva answered like this the Brysa is not saying you put poison that's why you exempt as opposed to putting food where you'll be chayv no even if you put food you're a chayv even if you put payros you, I mean, even if you put payros you'll be potter could you say it shouldn't have eaten in dinner, in, 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 and the Chiddush over here is that potter be dinner adam that you'd still be potter be dinner adam if you put food so why didn't give the example of food? Why did they give the example of poison? The chiddush nami that even in a case of poison where there's an expectation that the animal won't eat, there's still a shamaim. The chiddush is you might have thought by poison I don't even have to do tshuva for that. I'm not even chayav b'dina shamaim. I don't have to pay you uh, uh, from from uh, based on my moral obligation. Animal shouldn't have eaten. That's poison. So we said, no, the Kiddush is that even though it's poison, you are Chayv Adina Shemaim. means you're potter even if you put food, like Rav said, because you shouldn't have eaten. You'll be Chayv Adina Shemaim. The eyes, so why not give the example of food? One time, the bigger Kiddush is putting poison, you're still Chayv Adina Shemaim. You don't say, because it was poison, I'm potter Adina Shemaim as well. The Ibais Ema, and the other explanation you can give, is that the Sama Mavis that we're dealing with, the poison, was not like something like rat poison, and clearly it's not an edible item. No. It's Ba'afrazto. It was a type of plant that looks like vegetation. The animal thinks it's regular food. The Hainapeirid, which is produce. You put produce there, it's something the animal normally would eat. And just it's just a certain type of Peirus, which is poisonous for an animal, but the animal doesn't know that. And therefore, that's why it's, it, it, it's not a Kasha. You're saying is the Chorus Masha poison your potter but if you put a regular food you're been Chayv no this was looks like regular food the animal was drawn to it and still you're only Chayv Bedina Shamayim which is a raya for what Rav is saying is because you have an right to say the animal I, the animal shouldn't have eaten and caused its damage to itself when it goes ahead and eats so therefore again according to our mission it says if you bring fruits without produce without permission the animal gets damaged you have to say it, got, it slipped on it it was like a bar but if the animal would have overeaten because of it Taka the, the, the person bringing in the produce would, would not have to pay me in, in based in. Mesive, the Gemara has the following question. It says, Aisha Sheikhnisa. Shenechmasa A woman went in to grind wheat by a homeowner, and she did it without permission. She went into his house and ground wheat. 
and the homeowner's animal came and ate the wheat. So Potter, the homeowner doesn't have to pay for it because you can say you shouldn't have brought the wheat there. But im but if the animal got damaged by the wheat, chayevus, then you're chayev. why should you be chayev for it? Why can't you say that the animal shouldn't have eaten the wheat? this is mashma connected rav. It's mashma over here that if the animal got damaged, we understand right, damaged through eating, then you're chayev. Why? You should have said you shouldn't have eaten. So amri what, what kind of question? It's not better than our mishnah. Who says over there? the damage occurred through eating. Maybe it means the damage occurred because the animal tripped on it. It's no better than Amnish. Amnishna we said when it said the animal got damaged it means it slipped on it. Not that the animal ate, ate it. So said, that's a great point. To the person asked the question why didn't he understand that the same similar to the case of the Mishnah so why are you assuming here that it eats even though in the Mishnah it says that we said it shot means it slips. So Amalach, so the, the Gemara says that the reason why the person asked the question was like this. Because in our Mishnah, Ktani imhusku bahen. It says if it was damaged by them. So by them you could see it means that they, the, the actual wheat damaged it because it slipped on the wheat. It says, if the animal ate it, your potter, and if the animal was damaged, it doesn't say damaged by them. So the animal was damaged, we assume it's just a continuation of the case where it's eating. Not through them, through them, like, like by slipping on it. So that's why the person asked the question, assumed the bride is not talking about slipping on the wheat. It's talking about it was damaged by its eating. But, uh, and therefore, that's why you assume that it's eating. So, the, ah, that's a good point. When it says, so what does the other person say? He asks, whether it says by hand or doesn't say by hand, either way, it means that the animal slipped on the wheat. It doesn't mean the animal ate the wheat, because talk if the animal would have eaten the wheat and got damaged, you have a time to say the animal should not have eaten. Let's finish up over here one more child. Touch them, come and listen. Someone brought an ox into the an, in the homeowner's uh, property without permission. For Achal Chitin and ate wheat. The Hitris, and then it developed diarrhea, umes, and it died. Potter, so the homeowner is Potter from liability. But he brought it in with permission. So So then the Balachatz is responsible to pay for the damages. The Chorava Amai says, Why should he have to pay? Why can't he say, like Rob says, Who told your animal to eat? Right? Say the same thing. Who told the animal to eat? Because it got diarrhea and died because it ate. I, who told the animal to eat? So, I'm a rubber. Bershus. Ashaloi bershus karamis. You're asking apples and oranges. Rav's case was, you brought the animal in, you brought the produce in without permission, and the animal ate from it, and you can say, yes, who told your animal to eat? But here are your, the cases over here. You, I brought my ox into your field. We said, when I bring my ox into your field, according to Chachamim, that even without stipulation, you take full responsibility. Once you take full responsibility, it means you're going to watch my ox. You can't say, who told the animal to eat? You've taken responsibility as a shomer, and at such circumstances, you can't take, say, who told my animal to eat. So you can't ask me a case where it's done with reshus, where you've taken responsibility for my animal, to where it was brought shalom reshus. Ashlok haramis. Reshus, when you're doing with permission, the homeowner takes full responsibility for what happens to the ox. So he has to make sure that the animal doesn't eat if it's not supposed to. Even if it chokes itself, means any type of death, anything that happens to the animal, you're responsible for once you become a Shomer on it. But if I brought my produce in without permission, so then I can still say, your animal shouldn't have eaten. I didn't accept, I'm not a Shomer, and if I'm not such sacred circumstances, Rob holds, you will be potter. Gentlemen, have a good day.